Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The ensuing show will change, transform, and otherwise alter you. Good luck. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Hey everyone, Randall here, joined by Mike. Say hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? We are here with a very special episode uh, with Zach Shellcross of The Bachelor. He is currently The Bachelor on the season that is currently airing on ABC. He was on The Bachelorette last season. It's really random. We found out he was a King fan. We reached out. It happened. Very exciting. Uh, and he's a huge whorehead, huge King head. And yeah, what probably the most surprising interview of this year. Easily, uh, but, yeah. I mean, we're it's but, early into the year, but I would say lo- the last two years, maybe, um, including King. Yeah. You know, I, I never expected <laughs> ever to have anyone from The Bachelor or The Bachelorette on uh, this this podcast. So it was, it was definitely a welcome well, surprise. I'm a huge reality TV guy. Yeah. Uh, so it's not often that, as I say to Zach, it's not often these worlds for me get crossed. Uh, Mike, you're sort of a casual reality TV guy. Casual, because, you know, I... I I, you know, I like the first season of Survivor, but I actually am a big uh, <laughs> Bachelor head. Uh, but I stopped for a while, and you you brought me back in, and I'm I'm happy because uh, Zach's cool. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like I kind of was giving up on the show, but Zach is like my favorite Bachelor in a very long time. I Seriously, think, and I'm not even saying that because he's on on my podcast. I think he's actually this season has been. One of my favorites in a very long time. So without further ado, uh, man, this is a really nerdy, fun conversation about King and horror. So buckle up, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Hello. Hey, Zach. How's it going? What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Thank you so much for for hopping on our podcast and talking about Stephen King. It's... uh, it's not often that my love for dating shows and my love for Stephen King intersect in this way. <laughs> so literally like the minute I heard you, I heard you on Bachelor, the Bachelor Party podcast and you were like, I want to read every Stephen King book. And every yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is meant to be. So yeah. thank you so much for swinging by. No, thank you for having me. I, I heard about this and I was like, there's that's all I want to do. This is the podcast. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So I'm I'm very excited to hear where you are at with your journey. But let's start with the basics. Like, what is your Stephen King origin story? Like, when did you first become aware of the name Stephen King? Yeah, great question. I, I think it just started. So it was actually uh, early in college. I played college football. And for my for a lot of the traveling for our games, like we'd be sitting on buses forever. Like we would drive. California to like Utah and then back that night sometimes. Um, and, you know, I was just over, you know, listening to the same music and this and that. And I've always loved reading and I actually received it as a gift. Nice. And you know, I've always liked horror movies. I was like, enjoyed the fact that like, if a movie can make you feel uncomfortable or a book <laughs> can make you uncomfortable, then they've done their job. Like it's yeah. a really good book. And I read it and I couldn't put it down. And I just loved how like every character was so different and unique and like you just bought into them. And so I was like, you know what, the Stephen King guy, he's on to something. And obviously like, <laughs> knows like who he is, but I was like, I, I dig him. So I, I gave, you know, like Salem's lot a shot. And I was like, I, I love it. I read almost all of his, uh, I guess would they be called like the anthology books or the ones where he's got like a bunch of short stories. Mm-hmm. And then once I got there, I was like, you know what? I love this guy. I'm reading everything I can get. <laughs> and it was, it kind of just was random. It was just like, yeah, I know who Pennywise is. I watched like the, the original one, thought it was okay. But then yeah. I read the book. I love him. Yeah. So. so, yeah, it's so funny. My first King book was The Stand. And I think it's, it happens for a lot of people that, because King writes these very long books. I mean, it is over a thousand pages. So is the uncut version of The Stand. And it's so funny because I feel like, 
so many people, they jump in the deep end with those books. And that's, I think, in some ways what what clinches them in. Uh, I do have to, since it was your first, though, Mike, please tell your story about how you traveled through uh, England reading it and how you uh, how you dealt with it taking up all of your baggage space. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, better, you know, since you were like traveling on buses with this big book, I mean, it's, it's fucking huge. So it's like, (laughs) I, I, you know, I'm carrying a backpack and this other, you know, uh, other bag that I had and we're going from one town to another. And I was just like, I can't, I can't keep carrying this like giant books. I just started tearing out the parts I had finished (laughs) and just like putting them out. Yeah. And like, so finally by the end, it got to the point where I literally just had a sliver left, but it, it kind of backfired a little bit because I get to the end and be like, wait, what happened in the in the you know hundred pages? Oh well, fuck that. It's gone. It's it's over. I can't you know I can't go back on it. But it was interesting that I've just all throughout Europe I would just like kind of toss out like pages <laughs> here and there, like here in Edinburgh and then here in York and all these other places. But yeah. it, not a great idea. But uh, I'm sure I just find it funny because really... that is totally sacrilegious to most of our listeners. But yeah. uh, that's the I think the bane of reading King is is having to lug around the biggest books that you've ever read. oh yeah and if you're reading one of you know his books like it it's like it gets everyone's attention like everyone's like what the hell are you reading that's so like a textbook and you're like no 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 you wouldn't get it (laughs) well that's what i wanted to ask because so if you're reading that with with your team like i i feel like everyone has like some sort of entry into king where were there a lot of people like just did it was it a conversation starter for you where like you know everyone's actually was like i I actually you know i had my my college roommates and they saw like how enveloped I was with, you know, it or just like really picking up reading again. Cause like there was like in high school, you can't, for me, like I kind of dropped it, you know, didn't focus on like, you know, reading for pleasure. And then I, in college, I picked it up and they were just, I was asking like, Zach, why are you reading, you know, this book after, you know, an entire football game and we're driving back to California and it's just like, it was a nice escape. So like, I got some buddies on the the Stephen King train. They're not as in it as I am. They, did pick up more reading for fun, but like with, with, um, like it, for example, it just had just such a lasting impression. Weird. Yeah. So, uh, you've mentioned that you loved to read when you were younger, like what were sort of the seminal books for you when you were younger? Were you reading horror even then? Like I grew up reading R.L. Stein, right. And like Roald Dahl and like these authors who, I don't know, still terrify me in that, or at least I can remember how they terrified me as a child. And then I kind of graduated to Stephen King and these other writers. Was it similar for you or were you reading other stuff? No, it was R.L. Stein for yeah. sure. And you oh, know, yeah. with like, you know, Goosebumps when the TV show was out, you know, loved that. And the fact that I was like, oh, my, I could read it and then watch it. But it was, uh, it was a lot of that and uh, like fiction of like Harry Potter, of course. Yeah. Do that. Always into fiction. I'm not big into the nonfiction world with reading. It's like, I, I want to be reading the most wild out-of-pocket stuff i can like i yeah. love just insane story yeah you want to get transported yeah exactly like a, to- a total escape if possible love Would it you, you yeah. know growing up in anaheim hills was there something about the the small time small town atmosphere of like king's work and even with rl stein's work like the neighborhoods like i, I feel like the idea and the conceit of the neighborhood was so and in- is so instrumental in horror you know because it's it's yeah. it's palpable it's relatable was that another connection for you with these books with these stories that you're like oh this kind of feels like my backyard sometimes you know interestingly enough like i don't think i recognized it in the moment but like looking back on it it's like that small town feel like i think of like dairy maine and it's yeah. like like everyone knows everyone and in a sense anaheim hills is a bit like that yeah to where anything that happens in the town or the city like you know about it like and mm-hmm. it's how, even nowadays it's it's talked about in like the Facebook community pages and this and that. So like everyone is somehow intertwined with somebody like, you know, someone. And so yeah. I, I, I do like that small, that small town feel. And I, and I see that with Kings. So did you have, did you, oh, go did ahead, you have like urban legends and stuff for in town? Like that you kind of have your own like little, like local horror stories or ghost stories, or, I mean, did you grow up even believing this type of stuff? <laughs> oh, I loved that stuff. I, yeah. I, I just grew up really like loving just the horror genre, like in general. So like actually, when I was a kid, um, my my dream was to go to like not scary farm, you know, like the Halloween yeah. Fortnights. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. My parents were like, no, no, like wait till you're older, wait till you're older. And I was like, I want to go so bad. And so my aunt struck me a deal and she said, you know, if you get all passing grades, and this is like seventh grade, she's like, you get all passing grades this quarter or semester, um, I'll take you to not scary farm. And I was like, 
that's all I want in my life. Like that's all I care <laughs> about. So I actually studied my ass off, made it my own mission and I get great grades and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going. And so my aunt's like, great, I'm going to take you with your older cousin and all of her like high school friends. And I'm like, this is the best day of my life. Like I'm finally going and experiencing this. And within the first 15 minutes, <laughs> I start crying and freaking out. I see like a guy in a little electric chair, just like getting shocked to death. And I'm like, we got to call my dad. And my, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even leave the parking lot after he dropped me off before he looped around and picked me up again. And I was scarred for a few years. See, um, yeah, I love that. I was the exact same way in that I was fascinated with horror, but when I was confronted with it, just like haunted houses were so scary to me. Like I was petrified. And I feel like there's this, I feel like horror can tap into a certain fascination with the unknown when you're young. And then uh, like for me personally, I loved with horror movies, I was too scared to watch them, but I would make all my friends like tell me everything that happened in them. And eventually mm -hmm. I ended up like, you know, getting a tougher stomach and really getting into horror myself. But I was so I was just like interested in the idea of it rather than the execution of it. Uh, and I think that's why I, I I went to horror fiction because I was like, well, I can read about it and I can hear about it. I just don't want to see it. And so my love for yeah. horror movies came later. Was it similar for you or were you always like a horror movie guy as well? Uh, it, it's actually funny you say that because early on, I felt like I could stomach a lot of the harsher aspects of horror, like maybe like horror that was more like gore oriented, like the Saw movies. Yeah, I thought when I was younger and in high school, I could handle that. And I like, thought that was really fun. And that, that attracted me. And as I've gotten older and like more into like the horror fiction, like when I'm like, reading about it, I feel like I can't stomach the same stuff anymore. Like I'm hearing about like all these like new movies that are coming out that are just so like graphic and it's almost off-putting. I'd rather like, yeah. I like not be in your face, like blood and guts anymore. Like that was better at an immature age, but as I've gotten older, it's, it's more about like, I don't know, more thought provoking. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. One of the questions I had for you was, are you a gore guy? <laughs> because, like, <laughs> I used to be. No, it's funny. I was a gore. I watched all the hostels probably at a young age. Like I should not have. Same. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the Saw movies, like every like Halloween, like I thought that was cool and fun, and I liked it. And now I'm, I don't, I have no desire to rewatch. Yeah, anything. when no. you when you say you're talking about like oh the goriest movie, like actually bloody disgusting, who we're affiliated with, produced a movie called Terrifier and then Terrifier Two, and those yeah. were making headlines last year for like people fainting and throwing up in the theater because yeah. they're so nasty. So, anyways, I was gonna say if you are gore guy, highly recommend. If you're not, run for the stay hills. away. Yeah. <laughs> So. I, I did see Terrifier 1. I haven't seen the second oh, one. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like, it, I, I'll like dip my feet in. Like, and sometimes I'll go into a movie not knowing if it's a gore one or not. Like, right. I, I know there's a few movies out that I haven't been able to see yet, but like, I heard great things about Infinity Pool, but I don't know mm. if that's like a gory type movie or not. Yeah, it goes way beyond gore uh, from what I can gather. It's just fluids, general fluids. So, really? <laughs> well, now, you have, now you have me intrigued. So. I will say, if you've done Terrifier 1, because like Terrifier 2 is pretty gross and stuff, but like, I don't know if anyone could ever top that scene that's in the first Terrifier. Like, it's just, yeah. it's the, it's the most, yeah. it, it's the scene, yeah, which is just, yeah, pretty staggering. Um, you, you know, growing up though, did you have like a favorite movie maniac that you kind of aligned with? Like, I, I loved Halloween, so I loved Michael Myers, but like, was there a, you know, a movie monster, a movie maniac that you really kind of leaned into? That was like, oh, this is the guy I can, I don't know, vibe with, but like, <laughs> just, I, 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 I subscribe yeah, to this franchise. To? Yeah, yeah, really. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> Freddie's got a, you know, cool uh, vision here, but no. He's got interesting points. I kind of believe yeah. it. <laughs> uh, I thought I was a big fan. Like I was mentioning it earlier, Saw. I was like Jigsaw for Halloween, oh, I think, yeah. as like, sixth grade, I believe. Um, You know, doing the whole tricycle. Had oh, my God. Do. But now I've grown. I'm. I, I do always have a soft spot for Michael Myers. Yeah, I, I, Halloween guy. I just think he's brutal, and that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Did you see the last one, Halloween Ends? Um, yeah, the, yeah, they, yeah. Very they divisive have, movies. It was a very yeah, yeah. It was were, a unique like I, I get it. They try to do something kind of different. Um, <laughs> yeah. Didn't like. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of 
I don't know. I thought it was kind of corny at times. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, dude, you're, we're not going to argue with you. We, we have a very complex relationship with the latter day Halloween movies, but, um, yeah. but yeah, back into King a little bit. I, I would love to know. So you're, you're, re- you want to read every King book. And so you've already like made a dent. Like I believe you said on that podcast, you've read between like 15 and 20. Is that correct? Uh, I, I just recounted and it's 15 right now. Nice. Wow. Nice. No, See, that's, yeah. that's great. And so I'm curious, like, uh, now that you are sort of locked into these tracks, do you have a method to your madness? Are you thinking about going chronologically or or is it just kind of like whichever one I have in my hands at this moment, that's my next book? Uh, it's it's the latter. I Like right now, um, like I just picked up a book. It was actually a gift. Like uh, it's uh, The Running Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I just got that. Like I, I think I got it for Christmas, and I thought the concept was cool. I haven't started it yet, um, but it was like something along the lines of like reality TV, mm-hmm. and I thought it, yeah. how fitting of like this time for like me wanting to see this like reality TV uh, space. But I just kind of go off of like the some of the iconic ones that I haven't hit yet. Like so that's I'm still like kind of in like the pickup mode of I still need to get all of his classics in before I get all of this right in. so i'm not going in like chronological order like i you know it kind of happens randomly like i just i did billy summers a few months ago actually, oh nice while, fil- while filming the show actually I, that was the book i was lugging around that was one of the questions i had for you but no that's good to know yeah billy summers is cool we, we dug that's a fun one. one it's yeah it was like fun it was, yeah. it was good. Yeah. unpredictable at points too um what other what other hits have you hit on already like um like i meant like the shining i imagine is one of them probably shining yeah. um i i did really like carrie and then i that was one of the ones where i you know read carrie and i i waited on watching the movie nice and probably for the better i liked i mean everyone always says the book is better than the movie and i and i still do agree with that but like i i don't know there i thought like like carrie was pretty good in gerald's game pretty like pretty good adaptation adaptation yeah um and then the tall grass oh um, was that one kind of made me yeah i don't know i was uncomfortable during that one i don't know so you've read the tall in the tall grass as well no that one i haven't read i watched it is it is so the funny thing is i've not watched the movie because i have a big aversion to animal violence and when i saw that there was a dog in the trailer i was like i'm not watching this movie the dog is not in (laughs) The talk is not in <laughs> no, the it's book. Not. No, it's not. But the book is seriously like because it's a, he co-wrote it with his son Joe Hill, and it's a Latter Day King. And Latter Day Kings usually aren't as gruesome. That one yeah. is gruesome, it's gnarly. So it yeah. goes even so much. Weird. Yeah, like if you thought the movie was disturbing, um, yeah, jump into that one. It's wild. But no, we love. Uh, so you have read? Have you read Gerald's Game, or have you just seen the movie? No. So Jail Game, uh, Gerald's Game, and Tallgrass are the two I haven't read yet. But they're like okay. all that. And you know what I haven't read yet? Um, and it's like a big one. And I, I also got that one for Christmas. Uh, eleven twenty six. Oh, eleven twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that is inc- that's an incredible book. Is We're covering it? that later this year, and it's um it's 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 the size of it. There's actually references to it in it um too, which is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that you'll you'll recognize in there too. But uh, it's it's uh. It, brings some tears it's like it shows like the softer side which is have you read different seasons yet um no the the novellas one yeah Uh there's the dramatic side of king it he knows how to punch you in a way that like really hurts and it's just like you're just all of a sudden finding yourself crying and it's it's kind of wild i mean i that's i we always say on this podcast or at least i always say like that's his stealth uh left hook is that he actually is a better dramatic writer than he is horror at times where he just knows how to get you in the right way. Mm. And that book will absolutely get you. So just hyping okay. you up on that one for sure. Okay, yeah, you yeah. told me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I might skip the, the current book and just go straight to that. And then, uh, but did they make a movie about 1122? A series. A yeah, series it's on Hulu. It's pretty right. good. But the the book is, is I guess when you consider King's Latter-day Output, it's it's... I guess like I would say most people would consider it to be like the best book he's written probably in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it's because it really combines a lot of everything that makes him work. And uh, it's and the characters are fantastic and it's a great love story. So, yeah, definitely keep that one. But you, The Running Man, though, I think would be fun because King is. And I mean, if we're talking about like reality television, like King has always had an interest in uh in that sort of gaze like running men is considered very prescient along with another bachman book called the long walk Mm 
And uh, in that they're both these sort of spectator sports where bloodshed is sort of the end game. And and then when a show like Survivor came out, he became he actually wanted to write a book that was like about a survivor like island in a reality show because he i think he's fascinated by the way these things are moving like when competition series like keep edging closer and then we get something like squid game right it's like he's very interested in that evolution so as somebody who's been part of that apparatus i think it would be cool for you to read running man because that was written in the 70s you know so it's 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 wild he wrote it over um, like three days when the seven. It's pretty grim out. too. Yeah. <laughs> like, Is it? Yeah. Like, have you I'm seen the? Uh... He's never watched The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I would be I... surprised if he does watch it though, because it, 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 it like you're saying, Randall, it, like it absolutely factors into his interests for sure. I mean, he's, I, I think he's so obsessed with just the human condition on t on TV and just how it, we kind of relate to one another in these enclosed spaces and. I mean, even more so than Survivor, I feel like you, you know, there's certainly more of a claustrophobic feel than that. I mean, at least they get a whole island and Survivor, <laughs> you guys have like one I, get, house. I just get a mansion. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's a little unfair, but. Um, so yeah, like talking King movies though, like what, uh, like, are there any other ones that, are there any that you saw like when you were younger before you got into him as a writer, like, like, or certain horror images, like I always think of the twins from The Shining, that those, they were imprinted on my brain before I ever even knew who Stephen King was, because I would, I saw that iconography. Did you ever have an experience like that with anything from King uh, media before you kind of dove, you know, feet first into his work? You know, I, I think like a, a lot of people, the first like it, you know, yeah. was, was something that was a little like shocking to me. So like what is ingrained was Pennywise years before I even knew that he was a Stephen King creation. Like, I think it was like me walking downstairs and seeing my dad watching this Yeah. and like, no, get your ass upstairs and <laughs> have nightmares and be sleeping in our room or something like that. And it's like, like from a very early age, like, yeah, this like interest in this clown. And then I was obviously, as most people were excited about to see like, you know, the new it and then chapter two, which I do want to get your guys' take on, like, like your overall feelings, like one versus chapter two. But like, like I, I did enjoy chapter one. Like yeah. I thought, like I, I feel like I can watch that now, like, and rewatch it like every couple months and, and still enjoy it. Chapter two, I don't know. Yeah, we're on the same page, Zach. I think the first, uh, part one of it of the the two the kids were so well cast and isn't that like what you need to nail is like you need to get the kids right it's like why stand by me is such a great adaptation because the kids are perfect and that's what king writes so well chapter two i think was just sort of and the thing is it's tough because i I don't know if you agree with me but i think it's like the the kids sections of it that is the strongest part of the book the adult stuff is good but it's not as good and so it is tough to adapt um so yeah i struggled with part two as well because i just thought they couldn't quite find the right focus and the right thrust. And I didn't love the adult cast as much as I love the kid cast. But Mike, you're more of a nit chapter two. I know you don't love I, it, but you're a defender. Yeah, I don't something. love it. I I think some of the casting is interesting. I like I do love Bill Hader in there, but like I, I think good. what ultimately suffers or you know, what where the movie suffers is that it tries to do the Marvel thing where it's like, all right, well, we can make a three hour, you know, horror movie. And it's like, no, I mean, like for me, the sweet spot for most of these movies are usually around 90 minutes and two hours tops. So like to, the idea of like actually trying to make this three hour thing, I just kind of got exhausted after a while. And I think that's, that hurts the replayability too. Cause like, you're right. Like I, I can go like it. Chapter one is like always on HBO and I'm a big guy like, that like on, on afternoon watches, like I'll just put, put on the TV. And if it's something's playing that I like, re- like even remotely, I'll just be like, all right, I'll put on the background. And I think I've seen it one, like. I don't know, like 20 times at this point, just because it's always right. in the background and it's, and it's easy to put on the background because it's kind of funny. And like the kids have great chemistry and you're so expecting that sort of chemistry. So when you get to the second one, you're like, Oh, now they're adults. They've also been disparate for all this, all these years. And it just felt like there was no world chemistry. It was like, they're starting all over again and yeah. some of them worked, but some of them didn't. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of strangers, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, and it's also the really, CGI is just—it's like all yeah. over the place in that movie. But it's a really CGI. hard one to adapt, and uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be. And like you know, did you hear they're making like a series that's like a prequel to it that is going to be like kind of totally divorced from the book and its own original thing on HBO? It's called Welcome to Dairy. About is it about like Pennywise's um, like origin story? Yeah. Yeah. We're like yeah. we're. I'd say we're. Uh, uh, 
cautiously pessimistic <laughs> about it. But <laughs> really, why, why is that? Well, even King, like we interviewed King um, last year and we asked him about it. And even he sounded pretty much like, I don't know, like he he sounded like exhausted by the notion of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. We'll watch it and we'll be open minded and hope we want to like it. You know what I mean? It's just right. like we're like uh, after it, chapter two, I'm like, because I know it's a lot of the same people. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want that team going back, but. It's very likely Bill Skarsgård will return as Pennywise, and we really like him. So they need him. I, I they couldn't do another Pennywise. I don't think. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, with King, for you, is it mostly about like when you talk about what appeals to you? You mentioned like when you were reading it, like the characters, the world of it. When you think about like these fifteen books that you've read, what is it that stands out? Like, what is it that keeps you coming back? What is it about King as a writer, as a storyteller? Is it the fear factor? Is it the connection to the characters? Is it the world building? Like, what stands out to you as sort of, this is why I want to really commit to this guy's work? You know, the to be honest, like the, the fear aspect, like, yeah, not that much. Like, I mean, there's like, I, I love that. That's why I like, I love the horror genre. It's like, I don't, it, it, it's not like, I love Stephen King, so I love horror. It's like I've always loved horror, and Stephen right. King did really well. Like he's like, I mean, he's an icon in that that aspect. But what brings me back to every book is the character development. Like I feel like I get like he does it like better than anyone else. I feel like I understand his like like every person, every aspect, and like every point of view, and mm-hmm. it never has a lull. Like I've I haven't had a book yet. Maybe there are, are Stephen King books that have a lull. But I haven't hit a lull ever in any of his books. Yeah. Maybe this fan, because it's a little long at times. And uh that's a, that was a little harsher read. Oh it's a long book two. Long. Book two of the stand is uh Those is, meeting is notes. notoriously divisive, the meeting minutes. So we relate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, this is like maybe the closest thing to like a little, but I haven't had any lulls with any other like Stephen King books. Like I I have a, a I'll call it a problem because like I will stay up way too late reading it yeah um because it's like he's just the master of like page turn the next like, page yeah. so it's about the characters like and i truly do like like love being in their minds like constantly yeah, yeah. i mean it's, you reach a point when there's with this book sometimes where you just like all right i'm gonna knock this out like i'm i'm you know i'm 150 I'm pages in. 200 in i'm so invested that the, I, I gotta finish this now because it's on my mind it's on you know it, it's there it's all i can think about what would you say is the fastest book you read, though? I mean, out of all his works, like um, the ones yeah, that which you one just did you were just like burn through. Yeah, you're like obsessive with it almost. Uh, for recent memory, it was uh, it was Billy Summers. Yeah. We picked it up. Um, I think we were flying from. I want to say it was like the Bahamas. We were filming an episode in the Bahamas, and by the time we were at our next location in London, which is like a few days done, like it was only like on a couple flights um and and uh like a few nights in the hotel like when i rarely like i don't have a lot of free time while we're filming but like when i did i was able to get it in and it was like the perfect escape from the craziness of the show and i just like i didn't actually even have high expectations for billy summers like i picked it up at the airport um uh uh, bookstore and i couldn't put it down because it wasn't like a horror story but it was like just a great story yeah Uh, I, i finished it last that's like probably three days. So you were like, was there, was there like a night where you're like, all right, let's do need to like wrap this rose ceremony up. I got to get back to Billy. Uh, you know, <laughs> you no, I'll, like there's like, there's moments when I'm like dozing off. Like I feel like I'm standing and just like daydreaming, but it's like, all right, I can probably get in like four chapters. Oh, man. Like, I love um, it. Like probably if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky. It's <laughs> funny. It's funny though. Like I, you're still, here's what I'll say. Your, your journey with King is going to be, worth it it's going to be worthwhile it's but it's going to be long and it's going to be arduous because the thing about king is he has so many books and so many styles of books and it sounds like you're in this you're in the honeymoon phase of king like you're loving everything the thing about being a king fan i think is that you will inevitably hit that point you will hit that bump in the relationship because the i think part of loving king is also getting frustrated with certain books because there are books that are like notoriously hated by fans and uh but then there will be people that fiercely defend those books as well on this podcast i am the resident defender of the tommy knockers which is uh the last book king wrote when he was on cocaine and you can tell it is absolutely (laughs) insane but it is 
to me, it's an absolutely wild ride. So I, uh, I want to, I have a list here of a couple really obscure King titles, uh, for when you get further down the road. And uh, because these are not ones, like you said, you want to read the classics and we support that because, you know, like the best of the best is so, so good. But, you know, being on this podcast, uh, be somebody who is going to read every book, uh, there's some that you might struggle with a little bit. And I'm going to start with one and tell me if you've read it, if you've heard of it, or if you have no clue what it is. The first one I'm going to say is a book called Rage. Never heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So you got Running Man from a friend. That book was originally written under his pseudonym, which is Richard Bachman. Have you heard about his pseudonym? I have heard of it. Yeah. Richard, uh, Rage was the first book he wrote as Richard Bachman, but he wrote it when he was in high school. And then he uh, published it after, I think, the first, like maybe after Salem's Lot or The Shining. And because he wanted to see if he could could sell some stories without his name attached to it. And, you know, they did sell pretty well. There is, and you can get like like, three books in, he did this, which is insane. I know. It's wild. Yeah. He's supernatural how much he writes, but yeah. But yeah, but Rage is a book of actually about a school shooter. And, uh, you know, he wrote this many, 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 many years ago. So uh, he actually took it out of circulation like once school shootings started to go on the rise. And it's, you know, it's certainly not a bad book, but you can sort of see it was the book of like an angry teenager, right? Because uh, okay. he did write it then. And it's a fascinating look into sort of like the male adolescent mind, which is what a lot of the early Bachman books are. But right. that is one that I think a lot of people would cite as, you know, not on the top of the read pile. But you can, even though he took it out of circulation, it's still obviously out there. So it's, it won't be hard for you to get your hands on. But I would recommend you read it. But that's <laughs> one that I think will be an interesting experience for you. Next right. up, this is another Bachman book, The Regulators. I've not heard of that either. The Regulators uh, is basically about what if the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came to life and gunned down a suburban enclave. Uh, it is truly strange. The thing is, yeah. that's is, this cocaine days? is this cocaine days? No, this was after that, which is what, which is wild. We like talked about that in our episode about it. We're <laughs> like, I can't believe he wasn't on drugs. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that book is is on paper sounds awesome, but it is a tough hang. So uh, <laughs> I'll say that much. Okay. Um, I mean, honestly, that whole stretch is pretty tough though. Because no, like, desperation's man, desperation. not, a lot of people have said that's a struggle too to be read. And like, I mean, a lot of the nineties works, I feel like is where you, I feel like that's when everything started kind of getting chaotic with listeners with us. When everyone was just like, how do you not like this? Or how do you like that's this? That's where like, the really every divisive other books are. Yeah. But, um, but okay. Uh, the next one, Colorado Kid. I have read Colorado Kid. You have? Oh, okay. Oh, yes. interesting. This one's so Mike's you... bag. So. Yeah. So okay. how, did, how did you feel about it? Um, I read that probably about a year ago. I enjoyed it. It's part of like his, um, what are they called? The, call hard, it? the case. Hard, hard case thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually stumbled upon it on Amazon. I was just like looking and saw like those three. And from what I remember, I really enjoyed it. Like it was yeah. easy, quick, fairly quick. And uh, it was different. Yeah. Were you frustrated with the ending or perhaps the um non-existent ending that <laughs> wait, we're, wait we're, refresh me on where it's like they they explain how you know there is no real um solid answer as to what happened to the body right which spoiler alert oh we're, yeah, we're yeah, along, yeah. yeah 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 because i know some listeners and certainly some of our co-hosts have, were like they were like they felt it was like a cop-out i actually like it just because i think of what he was trying to say with the the whole mystery yeah. of it all like the idea that the unsolved mystery is far more interesting sometimes than the actual the solved actual, mystery. But, yeah, I was on the side of a little bummed out. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I yeah, yeah. It's 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 honestly it's because it, even then I was like thinking like can we just get something because sometimes he insinuates things, and it's like you know oh well if you're putting that out there that's probably what happened then because you 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 know you you at least you wrote that for a reason but you didn't do that for this one even so it was just like oh fuck like you know i know and it's like do you believe like okay like is it a cop-out or is he like really being profound yeah who knows like no one will really know like he could say it (laughs) right okay next one you said you're not into nonfiction, but you might have to make an exception for this one it's called dance macabre have you heard of this no, I've not. He wrote this in the, like around 1980, 1979 to 1980. And it's basically King trying to break down the horror genre 
up until that point. Like he's talking about the horror that worked on him when he was a kid. He talks about the movies, the um, books, and then the like kind of radio programs, like the stuff he grew up listening to. It's a pretty dense read, but I think it's a fascinating look into what scares King, how he approaches horror. And, uh, and, and also I think like, I don't know. It, it also just turned me on to a bunch of movies that I'd never seen before that are really cool. So that one you can usually get pretty easy in like a thrift store or something like that. It's it's well, it's pretty fantastic. And he what, did an other called? Dance Macabre. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool because it's like it's kind of like reading his own horror reviews in a way. And then he he goes a little deeper into the genre itself. But he did an updated one. I want to say what fifteen years ago, Randall. Was, but where he talks about some of the movies he missed since it was published in the eighties and he like talks about like how Blair Witch Project like sent him into the hills and, and <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. Really, yeah. So it's a, it's a good, it's a fun read, but it's, it's one of those that you could kind of like go back to, you know, you just be like, all right, I'll, I'll read a section here and then, you know, maybe I'll okay. come back to it a little later, but yeah. Have you heard of faithful or a face in the crowd? I want to say it sounds familiar, but I, I never read it. No. I know you're a football guy. Are you also a baseball guy? Yeah, yeah, grew up playing baseball for there years. You go. King is a yeah. huge Red Sox fan, Boston Red Sox. And so he uh, wrote two books with another writer named Stuart, or- Stuart O'Neill, where that are essentially nonfiction books about. Uh, I know Faithful is about the season that they won the yes, World Series, right, season. Mike? Yeah. And then uh, Facing the Crowd, I'm less familiar with, but basically King loves baseball and he has many stories right. that touch on it. So that might be up your alley. Uh, is it like just like a baseball story or is there like a thriller element or is it uh, it's nonfiction? It's like literally about oh, the, the experience yeah, it's like of the two of them. Yeah. They were like, yeah, they're sending emails back and forth to each other. And it's because it, it's interesting because like King was, I believe and I want to the, the fans are going to kill me, but <laughs> I think the beginning of that season started with him throwing the opening pitch. And so. And it was, I mean, do you remember the 2004 season with the Red Sox and then like how they almost lost against the Yankees and then they came back? Like It was like this astounding mm-hmm. like th- four-game win against the Yankees that literally feels as if King was probably in, in the crowd and talked to the devil and was like, look, you got to make this, this team win. <laughs> and they came up against the Yankees, even though they were three games back, which never happens. And it's, and they won. And they they, they they got into the World Series and then from there they, they took over. But yeah, you could tell like, he it was such an important part because i mean in terms of diehard red hot red sox fans like he's absolutely in like the top five top ten so yeah it's, it's pretty well. okay. yeah okay so it's cool because i guess like one thing i'm highlighting like this is what i love talking to people who are you know bit like dipping into king it's like he's so his his works are so diverse and like even when we started this podcast and we all grew up reading king we had no idea like the breadth of it and I think that's like part of what makes it so cool, you know, is it's just yeah. such a, I don't know, it's such a unique thing. Uh, okay, two quick move, one movie, one TV show. Uh, I'm curious if you've heard of these because these weren't adaptations, these were originals. Uh, have you heard of Sleepwalkers? I, do, I, I don't think so. No. I think it came out in 1991. It's a, he wrote the screenplay and it's a movie essentially about killer cats and it is deeply strange. One of the Definitely weirdest not things. Seen that. Yeah. yeah, no. No. Highly recommend. And then a TV show. It's I I guarantee you haven't heard of this because nobody has. Uh, in ni- around the same time, ninety ninety one, he wrote a TV series called Golden Years, which was essentially his Twin Peaks, and uh, it didn't take off. And no. <laughs> one of the hardest watches we've had. And it's not really King's fault. It was just sort of it. The TV apparatus wasn't prepared for that. Well, it was basically it was basically him being like, "Yeah, I think everyone wants to watch like seventy year olds uh, go like Benjamin Button on screen across like <laughs> multiple seasons." It's like, no, no one's gonna want to watch this. Like, it's depressing. Like, it's, it's where, where can you find something like this? Is this like YouTube? Like deep down yep. on YouTube? I'm yeah, very you can yeah. definitely find it. Give it a yeah. shot. We watched. I definitely watched it on YouTube. It's all on there, uploaded for free. And then um, Sleepwalkers, you can rent most places because it's kind of a cult movie. It's very right. much a product of like early '90s camp horror, and it's it's definitely worth watching because it is wild. Maybe after you've had a you know a couple drinks, it's a good one. So okay, um, oh, wait, what's that? I said tonight sounds good. <laughs> yeah, great. You're, you're, you're gonna like hate us and curse us now because you're gonna be like stumbling into this stuff and be like, this is the worst shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, how is this? You know, what so, did they do to me? Uh, I'll be are there any- are there any books that you're really looking forward to that you've not hit yet? 
Well, after talking with you guys, 1122, mm-hmm. like I have that and uh, the running man, like the running man is packed with me actually on this, on this trip right now. Nice. Haven't cracked it open yet. Um, but I'm almost debating. I wait just a few more days till I'm, I'm back and just start 1122. Yeah. Like if you guys were to recommend that, like, would you say 1122 before running man? Yeah. Just prioritize I'll say this, that. Though, running man. You could probably finish in like a couple days because yeah. it's really quick read. 1122 is one that you're going to like sit with for a bit, but it is, it is like for many people, top five King book, uh, at yeah. least top 10. So it's, it's fantastic. Running That's man is, is not probably anybody's favorite King book, but it's certainly not bad. Um, the, the, I mean, the Running Man literally is like you're just putting on like an '80s black uh, blockbuster. Like, well, it, I was gonna say, have you seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger adaptation? No, I haven't. It's it's insane. It's nothing like the book. They went yeah, completely ham really with it. <laughs> it's like the Children of the Corn. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. Um, a few more questions as we as we wrap up here. Uh, I'm curious if you. Like, cause you said you were reading Billy Summers on the show. I was curious if you were reading any King on the show. Did you bond with any of the women that were there over books or horror or even King? Like, was that something that uh, came up in any conversations? Um, I definitely talked, I had talked about it a lot. Like, I, cause that is something that I, I do care about. And I'm, I'm going to say the general consensus <laughs> was, who? <laughs> and then I'd be like, I'd be like, you know, like Pennywise or it, or um, have you ever heard of this stand? And they're like, the what? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. like, I just like to read books that are sometimes scary. And they're like, sure. oh, that's really cool. And yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was hard, like um, it, with, with the women, a lot of them did not relate. Um, but I, I did, you know, teach them over time, you know, talk about it a little bit more and yeah. maybe spike their interest. Yeah. Uh, it Is sounds that's- like I'm like, Trying to sell him on it. Funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like. I'm like not trying to sell myself. I'm trying to sell sell Stephen King. Yeah. Like if this marriage is gonna work, um, you're gonna have to finish the stand, and it's a long <laughs> one, so you better start now. The funny <laughs> thing is, Mike, and you, I think you know this. That was one of my wife's vows at our wedding because she hadn't finished the stand by the time. Oh, and yeah, then during true. our vows, she added, "I promise I will finish the stand." <laughs> that <laughs> so, is funny. And she did. So uh, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And then, um, okay. And then I'm curious though, like, is that something you look for in a partner though, as somebody you could watch scary movies with, or does that not matter? Absolutely. I think, you know, I don't want to say it's like a, a red flag if it's not, but yeah. like one of my favorite things is just, you know, after a long day and, you know, just cuddled up watching like any kind of horror movie, it can be a good or a bad, like you won't know until you watch, obviously, yeah. but it's like just having that, like that time is is important. Like that comes to me before like a really good comedy or like mm-hmm. an action drama. Like I, I always just go to the, the horror and I think it's just, it's best with, you know, a, a special companion with you. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's scared. Someone. It's, it's like, it's not that fun by yourself all the time. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. And it's funny, though, because my wife will watch horror with me, but she has it's kind of like, a, you know, it's not something she's ready to do. And what she always says to me is like, you know, I don't enjoy being scared. And I think that that's funny because I, I guess when I got into horror, I never really thought of it that way. But I do think that I like I do enjoy being scared. So it's like, mm-hmm. is that something you say, Zach, like that you feel the same way, like you would actually enjoy that feeling? I think so. But if anything, like, I'm just like, intrigued with the fact that you know something like a movie something that is um fake yeah it is and like a book that is often fiction can make you feel a certain type of way makes you feel uncomfortable like i just admire the fact that someone was able to create that and convey that and i think that is like the most like impressive thing so like 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 going into like a scary movie and like i just get like antsy about it because i know like I'm going to feel a certain type it's of gonna way. It's going to trigger Maybe, a reaction. Or it's uncomfortable. Exactly. And like the fact that no other kind of movie genre does that. Yeah. God, that makes you like anticipate and get nervous. And like, like I, I'm going to throw out like one of the most like generic movies that, um, you know, everyone talks about in the horror world, but like Hereditary, for example. Oh, love it. Love that movie. God. Damn. Like, I saw like I saw that in theaters and like that was the closest I've ever been to wanting to stand up and walk out of the movie theater because of how sick to my stomach I felt mm-hmm. at that certain scene. And then the minutes per, uh, that fell, you know, uh, were after. Yeah. Like the fact that a movie can do that blows me away. 
Yeah. So that's kind of what I think. Like maybe like being scared maybe sucks in the moment, but like <laughs> I keep running back to it. Like I keep wanting to go see the next one, you know? Does it, so. you know, being a horror fan, I think so often sometimes, I mean, because, you know, you condition yourself to just think about things in the horror movie aspect. Like if I go on long drives, like I used to, I'm from Florida, so I used to have to drive from Tallahassee to Miami. So I always think like, oh, if my car breaks down and I'd immediately think of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Do you do you have that, that mindset sometimes where you're just like in like worst case scenarios come to mind because you've watched so many horror movies or you've read so many horror stories? Thousand percent. I mean, yeah. I, I live in Texas now and I'm like looking online, I'm like, where did they film Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh, actually kind of outside of Austin. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in Austin. Now what if there's some loony that decides to, you know, like idolize, you know, Scarface <laughs> or not Scarface, that Leatherface. Um and Scarface oh I'd be scared of too. Yeah. No, well, Scarface I mean... too, but yeah, <laughs> Leatherface a little bit more. I hear a chainsaw now and I just think of it differently. I don't think of it as like, hey, they're cutting trees. It's like yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah, there's I think barbecue. That's my out favorite there. horror movie of all time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it is. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's incredible. Did you like the Netflix one? Did you like no, the Netflix? I, it's so funny. It's so funny you asked that. Like we, I think we all were like, this movie sucks. But then I just kept thinking about how funny it was when he was killing the party bus and like he was walking around with like people's arms and stuff. And it was like, I was like, you know what? Like that was one of the most indelible horror sequences I think I saw all year. So I actually came around to appreciating that movie a little bit more like later. I did too. Like during it, I'm like, like I could tell in the first 30 minutes, it was just going to be like a 5% right. of tomatoes. Like this is not going to be good. Yeah. But I was thoroughly entertained the entire yeah. time. And yeah, like, and I think that's you know what yeah. yeah, it was fun. Like, and I feel like some horror movies, especially these days, were like, I don't know, like horror and drama are becoming intermingled, sometimes in good ways, sometimes not, I think, because sometimes you, you just see a movie and you're like, you know what, I could be harsh on that because it's, I don't know, by the numbers or something. But if you're thoroughly entertained, like that is to me the next best thing, like to being scared. So yeah, so I ended up coming around. Mike, did you ever come around on Netflix, Texas Chainsaw? I mean, that, that seems pretty cool. I, I think <laughs> overall the characters are fucking insufferable. So it's just like, all right, I, I don't know if yeah, I'm going to run back. They're just so annoying. And like, it was like, and then they're like putting in like a school shooting thing also in this. I was like, wait, this is all over the place. Like I couldn't, you know, oh, I can't yeah, get a grip on it. Yeah, that was um, weird. Um, I, I did I did want to ask though, because you know, now that you've been on the screen, like, would you ever want to be in a horror movie? And if so, like, you know, what type of horror would you want to be? Like a slasher, or a ghost story, um, a zombie movie even? Like, what, what would, you know... The next uh, Saw movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so... Yeah, I, I think it would be a really cool opportunity. Like, interestingly enough, uh, we... Like, every summer, my family, we would do a family reunion up uh, in Oregon, uh, Agnes, Oregon. So it's a really small town. I think it's, like, a population of 100 or hundred or so people. My uncle um, has a cabin, and we'd all fly out there or drive up there. And it was in the middle of the woods, like, by itself, no neighbors. And I remember one year, we decided to make our own slasher, me and all my cousins. And I oh, was the awesome. slasher. And it was a classic bag head. It was, like, a mix between, like kind of like leather face, but like with a trash bag over the head with just eye holes. And I had like a knife and we filmed like a, you know, a short film. And I was like an absolute blast. I have photos somewhere I got to find, but um, I think a slasher would be a lot of fun. And yeah. maybe if I was the slasher. Be- <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That'd be, that'd be good. That'd yeah. be good. I, I do wonder, cause I was, I've watched bachelor for a while and I've, I, the thing that I've, I'm surprised of, and I could have sworn they did. And they, I just, when I was Googling, maybe it's just not online, but they like never capitalized on a horror element. Like there's never been like a challenge for like Halloween or like, or, or they've never had like a Halloween episode for like the time up with the thing. There's never been some sort of like, oh, hey, we have um, Jason Blum here and he's going to, you know, <laughs> produce this segment for, you know, you who could scream the loudest or whatever. It's like, I, so I'm kind of shocked that they've never really uh, capitalized on this. I feel like you should like bring this back to them and be like, look, you guys had to do this. Like, I, I, you know, this could work. Um, but if they did though, like what, w- if, if there was sort of like a challenge for you on the show that would be horror related like what do you think would be i don't know like what, what would kind of um i don't know get you excited you know how would you um, my mind was immediately racing and i and i think the best thing like like something actually feasible that you could do is like create your own like maze yeah so like your theme you have to come up with the costumes you have to come up with the effects like when i was a kid i don't think i would really like talked about this much but like i like 
dreamed I really wanted to be one of the like the talent at like a not scary farm or not uh, or universal horror nights the ones that would slide around on their knees and like, yeah I actually made my own gloves that had washers on the fingers and you'd like bang to like make the loud noises and scare people because we would have like mazes in like neighborhoods so I think like like that would be a fun date where like you like create like your mazes and like who's got the scariest maze and have like maybe guest judges come in and go through your maze I don't know. I'm just. I love it. I love it. I, love it. Like, I hope the producers are listening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> just um, make horror happen. Yeah, do it. Um, yeah. As we wrap, as we wrap up here, um, I guess like I'm curious if because we're talking about media and you know you mentioned that you're reading The Running Man, which was given to you because it's like kind of set in this reality, you know, TV world. I'm curious if you know having grown up. You know, I mean, The Bachelor's been around for so long and there's, you know, these shows that have sort of uh, riffed on it or parodied it. And like, you know, Burning Love is one that me and the boys love. It's like a comedy parody of of The Bachelor. And then uh, there's like the that show. Fighter, on... right? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. I've watched that. Yeah. Very funny. Nice. <laughs> I was nice. curious like so that. Good. And then there was that Lifetime show Unreal that was like about like, you know, it was like basically a soap opera that was set on one of those. And I guess I was curious, like if it was that something were pieces of media like that on your mind when you went into the show or were they something maybe you sought out afterwards? Oh, uh, what, what do you mean? Like pieces of. Like, oh, just like stuff that I mean, obviously, The Bachelor is such like a like a culturally oh. relevant and and like a rift upon sort of thing in culture that like, you know, there's so much stuff that plays with it. I don't know if like that was something that you were curious about when you were heading into it. So it, I like stumbled across Burning Love on Facebook because I think that's where it first started airing. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I saw that. But like me personally, I. I didn't watch much reality TV in general. Like it just wasn't kind of in my realm, but I have two younger sisters um, that are diehard fans and they watch everything from like all the dating reality shows to like the real housewives to this and that. So it's very prominent to them. So I was a complete like newbie in this whole yeah, world, yeah. which I think like kind of helped in a way, you know, cause I like wasn't distracted from what has happened in, in say seasons prior, but like I was totally new to it all. Like yeah. I knew of the, you know, the SNL skits and this and that, and like a couple of the scandals or drama with people in the bachelor world, but no, right. it's still like pretty fresh for me, even though the show is like Aaron. Right. Right. Which has got to yeah. be wild. Well, Zach, this has been fantastic. And honestly, like I could keep talking to you for like another hour about Stephen King, but we know you got to get going. Mike, did you have one last thing? I had one more thing. Cause uh, I wanted to, I, I, this is one thing I realized right. Like five minutes before we went on. Um, are you aware of, like all the King connections, like all his, like he does like references here and like 19 is like a book, big yeah. thing. Yeah. So yeah. you were destined to be a constant reader because your first season was on The Bachelorette season 19. <laughs> and 19 is the crucial number in all of Stephen King's works. So oh, that's right. it was meant to be. Meant to be. It, it is meant, meant to be. be. Yeah. Hope he knows that. I, I purposely planned that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. You've been waiting to pounce. It's like, all right, I got to wait for a night. Put Just in your application you. now. Yeah, no. Anyway. <laughs> Perfect. That's uh, a great note to end on. Zach, thank yeah. you so much for uh, hopping on the Losers Club. And we can't wait to see how the rest of the season plays out for you. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. I had a blast. Yeah. A Peace out, man. Bye, guys. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. This is the end of our show. For now. Tune in next week. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>